All right, how you doing, everyone? Welcome to a Big Blue Kickoff here on Giants.com. I am Russ Salzberg, joined by my colleague Lance Meadow, our producer taking care of the phone lines, Dave Dominic, and of course, we thank you for being part of the day. Uh, Got to remind you that Coors Light—I uh, should not say Coors Light—Big Blue Kickoff Live is presented to you by Coors Light, and. Uh, uh, Make sure you download the Coors Light Rewards app to win yourself amazing Giants prizes throughout the season. But before we get into any football business, and we know, obviously, people want to talk football, today is a very special day. It is 9-11. And, uh, Lance, we would be remiss if we did not mention 9-11 and all the people who perished on that uh, God-awful day. For me, just bringing it up, since we're here talking about the Giants, I can remember that day, and in particular that week. First of all, the Giants were coming back from Denver. Yeah, on that Monday night game. On that Monday night game. And it it was also a Tuesday, as today is a Tuesday. But the entire week, uh, I, I mean, I remember going to the Giants practices, and you had, you know, that's before they had the, the, the new facility the, the, the and the new, new facility. stadium. Yeah. And there was not even a bubble at that time. They, they were practicing outside. And I remember we would go and, you know, there was in the background the smoke. Because he had the Manhattan still, skyline. Still coming up. And I remember Wellington Mara, uh, God rest his soul, the patriarch of this fine organization, talking to everybody. It was just... Every time 9-11, you know, we come to this day, I think about that week with the Giants. And, you know, it's just certain things. You know, football was secondary along with, you know, baseball and anything else. But it, it was just, you know, you can't get it out of your mind if you live through that. Well, especially, I think, for those of us who were born and bred in the New York City area, Russ. I mean, this day has a significance. Whether you lost somebody or not personally, I think you at least know somebody oh. that was impacted by that day. So, you know, that's why I think it's important before we get into the nuts and bolts of sports, as you just alluded to, before we go crazy of the fandom of football and the X's and O's and a player getting a penalty and the lack of execution here or there, this day is certainly much more important and there are bigger things in life well, I, than getting it, caught up in football. Yeah, you, you know, it's an old cliche, but when you talk, want to talk about putting priorities in order or yeah. what's really important, a lot of people lost their lives then. Uh, Quite frankly, unfortunately, uh, people are still losing their lives, suffering from the consequences. And, you know, if they were down there at that time, I I just remember everything about it. You know, being in the news business, I I remember, you know, obviously we weren't covering sports that day. You you know, we became secondary. It became secondary. But instead of covering sports, they sent me, you know, here we are, you know, and and Channel 9 was located. WWR was just right across in, in Secaucus. And uh, I remember they sent us to Nutley to the uh, Red Cross because people were giving blood to do stories on that. And I remember also going down there the next week. I remember uh, the USO called me up. Uh, They just wanted some of us people on air to talk to the people for morale, you know, the iron workers working. This was the the next week. And I went with Ben Stiller. Nice. You you know, it it was just... uh, a lot of memories today. Um, not good memories. You, you know, I mean, the good memory is how the, the city and the people got united and they they stood behind, uh, stood tall and behind one another. 
you know, which unfortunately sometimes we need a tragedy to make everybody wake up and uh, stand tall together. But having said that, it is 9-11, and Lance and I just wanted to uh, acknowledge because, like I say, a lot of people need to be acknowledged for what happened on that uh, god-awful day. Having said that, here we are, 0-1-1. 15 games to go. The world is not coming to an end. Uh, uh, you know, I ha- I do a podcast. Uh, it's called, by the way, Get a Load of This on the OG Podcast Network. But the reason I bring it up, yesterday I had Phil Sims on. I was telling Lance this before we got on. There. I had Phil Sims on for 45 minutes. If you don't believe me, folks, you can tune into it, listen to it tomorrow. But the reason I bring it up, and, and Phil went off. On when I say he went off, he was adamant about all the good things that came out of the game. He was not negative about it. He he was talking about Lance. How listen, that was a darn good team that they lost to with a great defense. And he also almost unsolicited. He he, he brought up Eric Flowers and the offensive line. And and Phil was you know this is not Russ and Lance. This is a guy who is a pretty good football player. And, and and he brought up, he said, I'm sick and tired of hearing about Eric Flowers and the offensive line. Everything is not wrong. Things can be fixed. Let's get him help. Let's get the offensive line help. Let's work on technique. Let's get, let's get things done and move forward. He was adamant about it. He, he didn't look at, this was not a glass half empty situation for Phil. It was a glass half full. I don't know if you agree. But that's certainly coming from Phil Simms. Well, I think there were certainly encouraging aspects from the game. And, you know, I would hope that even diehard Giants fans who may be disappointed in the result, Russ, you know, could see that there is a silver lining. Number one, you know, if we go piece by piece, we could certainly sit here and break down some of the encouraging aspects. You talk about a defensive unit, Russ, that completely changed defensive schemes as a brand new defensive coordinator. And, you know, you and I have talked about that there were a lot of question marks about this defense, right? A lot of new faces, you know, how would everybody fit into the new scheme? Would everybody be in communication in week one? Remember, they added six new defensive players since they finalized the 53-man roster. That group surrendered 13 points to the Jacksonville Jaguars offense. And nothing in the second half. Pitched the shutout in the, in the second, second half. half. And I'll take it even a step further, Russ. There were six penalties that the Giants accepted against them. Defense was not responsible for any of them. Five were on the offense. One was on special teams. So... You're talking about a defensive performance that, to me, did everything necessary to put the team in a position to win the game. You cannot win football games in this league, no matter who you are. You can name me all of the talented players in the world and put them on paper if you score less than 20 points. And we saw that firsthand, Russ, last season. You know, you've got to be in that 25-point to 30-point barometer to have a realistic chance to consistently win in this league because you know you're not going to get a shutout in the second half from a defensive perspective. So the defense, and I don't know how much Phil Sims brought that up, but that was a huge encouraging aspect of the team's performance. No, that was part of the the, the situation. Again, go ahead, continue. Well, on the offensive side of the ball, the diversity of how Pat Shermer and Mike Shula used the personnel, Russ, to me, was one of the most encouraging aspects. A lot of movement of guys around at the line of scrimmage. You know, how Barkley and Beckham were used coming out of the backfield. I mean, these are things that certainly the offense could build off of moving forward. They ran the ball as a team for over 100 yards. Now, let's put things in perspective. The 68-yard run by Barkley certainly padded the numbers. But, but, but you, you know what? 
I get, I know what you're saying, but but when people are saying that to me, um, and I and I just, I just was talking about it with John Mara, and when people say that to me, I say this, yeah, okay, 68 yards came on one play, but let's look at that play. It it was coming off of a, t- a touchdown going the other way. Jacksonville, the pick six. They, they were yeah. about to be dead and buried. So those 68 yards didn't just come at a time. They came at a crucial time when money was on the table that the Giants had to have. And this guy, this was not a good run. This was a spectacular run. He showed moves, Barkley. He showed speed. He showed everything. So, you, you know, it, it's like they say about quarterbacks. You know when you can judge a quarterback? What do they do when there's two minutes left in a game and the game is on a line? Well, that was an example. What does a great, what does a running back do when he's needed to do something? So to me, those 68 yards, let's not, you know, when we say put it in perspective, I get you, but that those were money yards at a crucial time. Well, it was a huge turning point in the game. There's no doubt about that. And to your point, he forced four missed tackles to my count on that play alone against a very well-disciplined Jacksonville defense, yeah. a stingy unit. Miles Jack, I don't know if you saw this, after the game he spoke to the media, I went back and listened, he basically said that Saquon Barkley shook him out of his socks. Yeah, I mean, that's an exact quote. And he said that I'm going to have to go back and working on my tackling this week simply because Miles Jack, if you go back and watch that play, Russ, Barkley runs up the gut. He was right at where the first down marker was. Jack is in front of him. Jack's in a perfect position to tackle him, Russ. He's got him wrapped up, and Barkley puts a juke move on him, and Jack's going this way, Barkley's going that way, and the rest is history. So the maneuvers that he put on that Jacksonville defense was impressive. You're right, they needed that touchdown because it made it, once again, a one-score game. So, you know, the running aspect, that was encouraging. The big playmaking ability was encouraging. And on that subject, they took chances down the field. Russ, and that was something that we had not yet seen consistently last season, where a lot of it was short yardage and hoping that guys off a short pass can gain additional yardage after that. Even though the execution wasn't where the offense wanted it to be, you know, they were targeting Beckham in the end zone. They were looking for Shepard and Ingram down the field, and that to me is encouraging based on what the personnel can provide for this offense. Yeah, and and although although, uh, Evan Ingram had, you know, a tough game, had a few drops, there was one great catch on a long play that 40 yarder that was nullified you know because of a penalty now as far as Odell Beckham Jr. goes hey so much for a preseason or lack thereof because he did not display any rust whatsoever for you know not playing in almost a year he was he was the old Odell he played on the control Uh, I mean you had to like what you got to see there you know, a couple of balls not thrown perfectly. Yeah, I, I also heard some of the criticism, Eli. I mean, you're not going to make every throw perfectly. That 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 you know that post in in the end zone. You know, it's not the easiest play. There's only so much room you have catching a ball over your head to to make that play. You know, if it was a yard shorter or uh, Odell was a a yard faster, it might have been a touchdown. It wasn't, but there were a lot of good things that did come out of it, and certainly things that need to be fixed. Well, and in terms of the things that need to be fixed, I'm sure we're going to get a lot of phone calls about the offensive line, but it's not so much the offensive line. I think what everybody has to understand is 
It's the tight ends. It's the wide receiver. It's the running backs. Everybody that chips in in terms of the blocking schemes. The unit's got to be on the same page in order for Eli Manning to have some time. And one of the plays that you brought up, Russ, you know, I think Eli had to get rid of the ball sooner than he anticipated because there was some pressure in his face. Case in point, there was the third and goal play, if you remember, right before the end of the first half. And Odell Beckham and Saquon Barkley were both on the left, Russ, and they ran sort of a crossing pattern where, you know, one guy from the inside went outside, Saquon Barkley went to the outside, Odell Beckham cut to the inside, and as a result of Eli Manning getting pressure in his face, he had to then, instead of going to Odell Beckham deep into the end zone, had to circle back to Beckham and give him a short pass, and they wound up settling for a field goal. So, you know, those are the types of elements that if the execution is where it needs to be, perhaps you turn those field goals into touchdowns, and that's what they're going to need to do. I think, to me, the one area that I would look at in this last game, Russ, and you say to yourself, well, what would you like to see against the Cowboys in Week 2? It's better red zone efficiency because the Giants were able to move the football. They had over 300 total yards. You just want those 300 total yards to equate to... 20 to 25 points, and it can't just settle for a touchdown and three field goals, which is what they were left with. So if the execution in the red zone improves, you know, this is a team that certainly has the potential to move the chains against various defenses. If they could do it against Jacksonville, you just want to see it now equate to points. And there was, you know, one other thing which maybe gets minimized, which I thought was important coming out of the first game. I saw a very strong performance which he was also showing in the preseason to now in his first game was Aldrich Rosas. I mean, you know, you want to see your kicker on the money. He was coming off a not-so-hot rookie season last season. So, you know, that bodes well nicely for some confidence for him. Giants also had, we'll open up the phone lines, 201-939-4513 is the number. want to hear from you. Get to him in one second. Uh, Giants also had some bad luck, uh, you know, you make your own good luck, but they had some bad luck on some third down plays where uh, o- Odell was like an in short, w- w- ball was spotted. What's um, Well, the fourth and one, if you remember, Barkley, with Barkley when he jumped uh, over, over the over line. The yeah. and, and Barkley, to his credit, said, hey, I'm a 230-pound running back. Maybe I need to put my shoulder in and just plow forward. You know, little things like that. But, um, it's a game of inches. Listen, they, they, they didn't have their best game, but... They were right there to win the game So against a very good football team. So, you know, if you want to look at the glass half empty, that's your business. But from a giant perspective, they are looking at it uh, glass uh, half full. 201-939-4513 is the number. You're watching uh, Big Blue Kickoff here on Giants.com along with Ross Salzberg and Lance Meadow. Let's now go to our nation's capital, Washington, D.C., and chat with Tony. Hello, Tony. How are you today? Hey, gentlemen, thanks for taking my call. Good to talk to you, Russ, Lance. Good to to talk to you. What's up, Tom? So, you guys hit on everything I wanted to talk about. (laughs) Okay. And this is what... All right, we'll speak to you next week, Tony. You know, tell all the fans. Oh, I'm sorry. No, no, I was making a joke. I said if we took all your stuff, then there's no point to continuing the conversation. Go ahead. Go Go ahead. ahead. Well, I have to... I got to put some positive vibes out there. Because you got to understand, and you and we spoke about this, the team wasn't bad last year. The team went off the rails last year. That's a whole different thing. You're right. And to be in a position to beat a team that was in the AFC Championship game in, in, in one offseason when 65% of the roster is brand new, new coaches, new general management, there's there's a ton of upside. I mean, and and that's really what I got to let people know. There's a ton of upside to this team. 
Now, with all that said, and this is the opinion that I want from you guys, and I'll let you go, is our, the first half of our season, our schedule sucks. It's just it's awful. Without question. I, I mean, that, that's as tough a – listen, Jacksonville at Dallas at Houston, New Orleans at Carolina, Philadelphia at Atlanta – Washington bye week. Let me tell you, yeah. that's a killer right down the line. Go ahead. I'm sorry to go. A lot of good defense. Go ahead, Tony. Finish your point. No, you're absolutely right. And, and that schedule, that, that's going to put a dent in our win loss. It just is what it is. And Jeff Eagle spoke about this yesterday that with the, with, with the turnover on this roster and a schedule like that, this might be a year where the, where the team is finding its footing. But here's my question for you. Um, Look, Eli's 36, Nate Solder's 30. Like, you know, you know the cornerstones of our team, uh, these, these uh, aren't young chickens anymore. No, Eli's so, 37. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. So, so, so my, my question is, and I'll let you go, is I think it's going to take some time for this, seat, for this team to reach its full potential, and it just might not do that with our franchise QB. You know, but but I want your opinions on that. How far do you think we can go in the next two or three years? I know the offensive line is still what it is. I agree with Phil Sims. These are pros. You've got to be able to fix it. You you can't tell me that a team like this is going to lose games because of one player. I I just can't buy it. Thanks, guys. Love the show. Uh, all Hi, Tony. right, Tony. Appreciate thank you. Good call. Uh, listen, uh, it is one game. Okay. Obviously, the Giants they feel. Uh, Gettleman, uh, Dave Gettleman, and, and uh, Pat, Pat Sherman feel, and it's not just chit chat. Because if they want, if they if they wanted to make a change, they would have made the change. They have complete confidence in Eli. Complete confidence. Now, uh, it's not confidence to get it done five years from now. The confidence is to be able to do something in the next couple of years. When I say next couple, I'm talking in the next. One, two, three years. You know, obviously that's their line of thinking. Whether that happens, that remains to be seen. But they believe this team is built to do something, you know, rather quickly. Well, of course, I think that is the ultimate goal based on the drafting of Barkley, some of the contracts that were given out. The other thing that I think you can't overlook, Russ, is when the 2016 offseason came along, and they revamped the defense, and they went out and they signed Vernon and Jenkins and Snacks. All of those players are given similar contracts right. in terms of length. So, you know, when the last caller, Tony, was talking about, well, it may take some time for this team to get together, and I don't know what's going to happen, forget the offense. I mean, the defensive core could look differently depending on what happens after those contracts expire. That's why I don't think in terms of what's going to happen two or three years down the road. First of all, there's so much parity in the National Football League, Russ, that how your team does one year, and we saw it firsthand with the Giants. They went 11-5 and one year, and then they went 3-13. and Granted, there were injuries, there were other factors. It's not going to happen every year, but... Your success one year, my point is, doesn't guarantee you anything the following season. So if you're the Giants, you may make changes even after this year. You may make tweaks to the roster. The core is not going to necessarily stay together no matter what they do the previous year. So you can't look at this group of 53 guys and say, well, you know, if they make strides this year, then all of a sudden they add two more players to the mix and then they're going to get three or four more wins. That's not how the NFL operates. You know, as Bill Parcells always would say, your goal is to get, he used to say, your goal is to get into the tournament. As, as Bill would say, not get into the playoffs. Your goal is to get into the tournament. Once you're in the tournament, 
anything goes. You know, everything changes. You know, your records are thrown out the window once you get into the tournament. And, you know, I'm, I'm, that's the mentality that, uh, you know, Pat Shermer has pretty much said that. The goal is to get in, and then we see what happens. Well, and I think related to that, Russ, think about how many teams that were wild cards won the Super Bowl in recent history. The Giants included, of course, going back to 07. Yep. But when you look at the Steelers, the Packers, I mean, these were teams that recently have won Super Bowls, and they weren't necessarily division winners. So, yeah, you get in, anything could happen. You don't necessarily have to win the division. And remember, this NFC East division, I've said this like a broken record, nobody's won back-to-back NFC East titles since the Eagles won four in a row in the early 2000s. So there's a lot of turnover in this division alone. Let's uh, head back down south to North Carolina and speak with Phil. Hello, Phil. How are we doing today? Yes, hi, Dak. A um, couple of things. One, I, I agree with Lance totally that the I was impressed with the defense and, and James Betcher. I thought uh, he called a really good game, and he's a very talented defensive coordinator, and we're lucky to have him. Uh, the offense, a couple of the calls I thought were questionable, um, so uh, I wasn't really thrilled with a few of them. The uh, I wish one thing with Eli is that he's never been a good short thrower, uh, and typically it's high, and there was one to uh, Barkley in the flat that had a chance and kind of zipped it too hard. Uh, I wish he would bend his knees a little more and, uh, on those short throws and uh, get him down. Uh, but my last, my last comment is going to be, you know, I was not a uh, – Proponent, I agree with John about uh, drafting a running back at number two, and I'm still not. And uh, uh, I, I have a lot of uh, fandom angst that Donald, we let uh-huh. Donald slip by, and uh, and I think he's going to be uh, a very good quarterback. He's 21 years old. Well, you, you know, 15 Phil, years. Phil, and one last thing. One last thing. Uh, uh, Last week, uh, I think Russ really barbecued uh, Charlie about the Eric Flowers thing. Yes. And, and uh, you know, you know, it's one game, but you know, how long are we gonna? How long are we gonna be apologists for Eric? Well, so, well, I'll tell you I'll, what, I'll, Phil, I'll, Phil, Phil, li- listen to me and thank you for the call. Uh, I'm not an apologist for Eric Flowers, okay? And, and I'm not. We're not gonna do this ad nauseum, okay? I spoke to a guy yesterday, and, and I mentioned it early on. I had Phil Sims on with me on my, on my podcast yesterday. Uh, it'll be posted tomorrow if all you people want to hear. It's, the podcast is Get a Load of This on the OG Podcast Network. This is not Russ Salzberg. This was Phil Sims for 45 minutes. And Phil Sims said he was fed up, fed up with the talk about Eric Flowers and the offensive line. Well, there's some problems do certain things have to be fixed yes so let's fix them let's get the guy help and let's also look at the entire picture and phil was talking about the entire picture as if as and this he was saying this before pat Shermer said it yesterday he he was saying that yeah there are bad things there are also good things and also some of the problems that occur are not just the guy it's it's like we say the hip bone's connected to the knee bone and the knee bone's connected to the shin bone, yada, 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 okay? And, and, and Phil, God bless you, but it's real easy to sit here today and tell me that you're worried about Donald not being a choice when well, Donald comes 
is getting over a magnificent start. God bless him last night for the Jets. So really, that's an easy one to pick. Well, and first of all, we live in a society where everybody's got to have instantaneous results and gratification. And listen, Sam Darnold may turn out to be an excellent quarterback. He looked good last night. It's one game. I hope he is. Let's see what happens. Correct, exactly. But you know, let's stop crowning individuals, as I like to say, before all of a sudden the resume plays out. As Parcells would say. Let's not put them in Canton just Exactly. Yet. Well, and the other factor is, who knows how the Giants quarterback situation is going to play out when Eli Manning determines that he wants to hang it up. Will they draft another guy? Will they sign a free agent? There's a lot of time for them to figure out. I want to go back to the point, though, Russ, before we take more phone calls about the Eric Flowers situation. And we can't constantly look at games. This is not just for the Giants. This is every NFL team. I got into it with somebody on Twitter about, you know, Phillip Rivers and the Chargers. They had a rough game, right. not to get off topic against the Kansas City Chiefs, and, you know, they were making the complaint about how Phillip Rivers can't win the big game. They gave up a punt return to Tyreek Hill for 91 yards. The returner for the Chargers muffed a punt that gave the Chiefs the ball on the Chargers' two-yard line. They gave up over 300 total yards of offense, all things that have nothing to do with the quarterback play. And the reason why I bring that up, to bring it back full circle to the Giants, Eric Flowers had two penalties against him early in that series, and that backed them up. He had the tripping penalty. He had the holding penalty. But, Russ, in fairness, Evan Ingram had a pass interference penalty against him. Cody Latimer had a holding penalty. Nate Solder, another member of the offensive line, had a holding penalty. But they're not Eric Flowers, who's, well, the, who's the, the the whipping boy. Exactly. Well, but, but see, that's why I'm bringing yes. that up. And I'm not saying that those three players that I just named are responsible for the loss, but those penalties across the board hurt the Giants' offense, Russ. The pick six hurt the Giants' chances of winning the football game. The muffed punt by Kalen Clay prevented the Giants from having an opportunity at the end to maybe tie the game. A so, drop pass. A drop pass here or there by Engram and Sterling Shepard. A missed tackle here or there. To say that Eric Flowers' mishaps alone is the only reason why the Giants lost by five points is not seeing the big picture. And I'm not giving this to be a defense of Eric Flowers. You know, everybody takes it as, oh, we're going out of our way to defend him. No, it's seeing a game from a big picture perspective. There's three facets to a football team. The Giants are no different. They're not unique. There's offense, defense, and special teams. There were shortcomings on special teams that I saw. There were also, despite how well the defense played, some missed opportunities to stop the Jaguars on third down, a big Blake Bortles run for 41 yards. I mean, you could point to a lot of plays that added up to why the Giants fell short. It was not Eric Flowers alone. 201-939-4513 is the number. Well said, Lance. Let's now go to uh, Washington and uh, chat with Stas. Stas, how are you, my friend? Hey, what's up, guys? How are you? Uh, well, first Stas. and foremost, you know, uh, let's remember it's 9-11. There's a lot of things that are a lot bigger than a football game or a football team. So Absolutely. just make sure that you know we, we, we keep that in mind. Uh, well said. Lance, I think you're 1,000% right what you just said about the whole Eric Flowers thing. I, I, I honestly feel it has a lot to do with how fans feel it was ignored for so long that, that it puts them in an uproar. But I agree with you. There was a lot of things that went wrong. When I look at this game all in, I leave it honestly positive. And, and I'm going to be honest. When I did my picks, I picked the Giants to lose by a score, and I'm a diehard Giants fan mm-hmm. because I looked at it as new team, new offensive coordinator, new moving parts. Beckham, Barkley, Eli never played together throughout the preseason, and we're going up against what is possibly one of the best defenses in the league this year. Um, not possibly. Not, not, not possibly. It is. I mean, it's definitely one of the best, if not the best. Right. You're right. Yeah. And I agree. So I didn't go in there thinking that the Giants were going to be able to light it up. The fact that this game was close and winnable 
makes me look think like you know what when we're two or three games in this is going to look a lot better you know barring injury this is going to look a lot better i thought you know manning played very well considering that he did have a lot of pressure i love the adjustments that they made coming out of the first half if you look at the pressure that Eli faced in the first half versus the second half, it was very different. Mm-hmm. So they made a, they did make adjustments. They were working chips. They did give Eric Flowers some help. Does he is he the best right tackle in the league? Hands down, hell no. But they did give him help, and we were able to make th- this is don't forget that big sixty eight yard run to Barkley did go off the right side. It wasn't to the left, you know. So Flowers obviously did something right. When I look at that Barkley run, what I hate about everyone saying, oh, but it, it, it was because 68 yards padded, that's every running back in the league. Ezekiel Elliott, I think, is one of the best backs in the league. He always pads his stats with one big run that he breaks out in most games. Even in his rookie year, he always had that one major run that really padded up the stats. Like, that's every running back. Like, if, 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 if every great running back was knocking out you know, literally, you know, four or five yards every carry, they would never pass the ball. You, you, right? you, like they, uh, go ahead, Stas. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I'm, I'm, I'm just drawing a complete blank. The, the, <laughs> Hall, the Hall of Fame, uh, I want to make a comparison with Barkley, Stas. The Hall of Fame running back for the Detroit Lions. I just, I'm drawing Barry a, Sanders. Barry Sanders. Barry Sanders, that's, that was typical of Barry Sanders. He'd nickel and dime and dance and prance, you, you know, jitterbugging and exactly. a yard or two, or th- yeah. three, four or five, and then boom. Then, then he'd give you 50, 60, or 70. You're right. It's a good comparison, Stas. And not only that, this is typical of, of Saquon Barkley. If you look at his college career, it was the same thing. Yep. He yep. had negative yep. plays, negative plays, small games, and then boom, he would just burst out. That was his death his MO. This is, I saw nothing but good things. The only frustration I have with the game is that we have to control the controllables. Like, don't muff the punt, man. Like, that, you just secure the punt. If you can't catch it, get out the way. Like, I think little things like that frustrated me with the game. Or, um, I think it was, a, I, I thought that Evan Ingram was a boneheaded play on him. He did not have to stretch out his arms, he had the people beat. He could have just maintained discipline, called the ball, we would never have the penalty. And I think that, and I honestly feel they missed the call. On the fourth, uh, on the fourth down charge we did in the fourth quarter, it was passed to um, Sterling Shepard. DJ Hayden. Sterling Shepard's hand, his left arm was being held. There, there was definitely some contact there. Yep, you're, you're, yeah, you're right, right. Stas. That's a good point. All right, buddy. You know, but this was a good game. Thank, hey, thanks for everything. And let's just remember 9-11, guys. There's a lot more that holds us together and that separates us. And let's just remember that as a country going forward. Thank you. Amen, Stas. Thank you very much. 201-939-4513 is the number here on Big Blue Kickoff, which lets us remind you that uh, it is brought to you by Coors Light. Download the Coors Light Rewards app to win yourself amazing Giants prizes throughout this season. Back to the phones we go. Our old friend Len from Columbia. Len, how you doing today? Hey, guys. How you doing? How you doing, Len? Good, good, good. Listen, uh, thanks for starting... uh, you know the show off with a couple of minutes on 9/11. It's it's uh, you know it's hard not to think about where you were okay. <laughs> at well, nine o'clock on the morning on that, 9/11. That's for sure. 2001. Yeah. So uh, I I do appreciate that. Um, look, I'm I, I got to tell you I'm I'm disappointed we lost. Um, man, you got a winnable game. It was a winnable game. You know, I know everybody's talking about what a great team Jacksonville is. You know, what 
What did Jacksonville do in the fourth quarter? I mean, the game was right there. As John mentioned yesterday, we're in Jacksonville territory. With two, we're on there 40 with two and a half minutes to go in the game. Well, I mean, we Len, got the ball. Len, that, that's, yeah. that's probably the frustrating part about everything. Think about what we're talking about here. We're talking about, well, yeah, there were a lot of positives, but there was frustration, and you know, it wasn't perfect for the Giants. And they were still right there at the end. Yeah. Yeah, they could have yeah. won the game. So, yeah. yes, it, it's frustrating. We're just saying, well, listen, you're disappointed. There's not anybody member of the Big Blue Nation who's not disappointed that they lost oh, the of game. Course, of course, I hope so. I hope so. Because, Russ, it's time to win. I mean, it's time to win a game like this. Mm-hmm. Your best, you get to this point, you know, you even you know, count the whole fourth quarter. Barkley made the play. But you count the whole fourth quarter. I mean, the chances were there. Of course. To win a home game, to win this game. I mean, you know, your best players, your best 30 players, and by the way, that, that punt returner was not one of our best 30 players, but that's a whole different story. Uh, well, let, let, me, let me mention this for a second. Tyreek Hill is returning punts yesterday. That punt that he returned, it was in the first quarter. They yeah, used Tyreek yards. Hill as a punt yeah. returner in the fourth well, quarter. Well, but see, Len, Len, that goes back to the debate. I believe Russ and I talked about this actually towards the tail end of last Tuesday's show when we were talking about Antonio yeah. Brown and the Steelers. Yeah. And, and yeah. I said, listen, if Pat Shermer yeah. turned around and said he wanted Odell Beckham to return every punt, I'd have no problem. The problem is you get a yeah. lot of people that fear the injury bug. Yeah, guy yeah, can get right, hurt right, on any play right. in the National yeah. Football League. And, and, you know, Len, yeah, but, Pat Shermer also said, because people were saying, how come you may, maybe you could have put uh, uh, Odell in late, you know, to feel that punt. And, yeah. and yeah. his point was uh, that Shermer said they were looking for the block at, at that okay. juncture. But, All right. I, I, didn't mean, I didn't mean to go off on a tangent there, but let me try yeah. to make a couple more points. And I, I appreciate you following up on the punt return thing. I really do. But let me, let me try to make a couple other points. You know, your best players in that situation, I mean, you've got to complete a pass. You've got to make a catch. Even Eli's interception, um, Lance, you, you mentioned it. You know, so come, come on, Eric, make a block. Make, I mean, it's fourth quarter at home. Well, you, you know game. what, Len, I, I know you want to make a few other points, but I actually I'm glad you brought that up. Eric Flowers actually spoke to the media yesterday, and I went back, yeah. I watched the video, and then I quoted what Eric said, and I explained what Eric said. On that play, if you go back, and, and I suggest you watch, what the Jacksonville Jaguars are doing is you have Ngakwe, the other great edge rusher opposite Calais Campbell, is leaning towards the outside, and then you have Telvin Smith, their Pro Bowl linebacker. He comes up to the line. He fakes as if he's blitzing. So what Eric explained is, in that situation, he has to make a choice. He either concerns himself with the interior pressure that the linebacker is bringing, or he gets caught up with Ngakwe on the outside. He said the right right choice, what he is coached to do is, he has to concentrate on the linebacker coming from the inside, which means, yes, it's a two-on-one situation there. So he went to the inside to worry about Telvin Smith, which turned out to be a fake. Smith then flared out back in coverage. Ngakwe got some penetration on the edge impacted Eli Manning, and then the ball wound up being deflected yeah, by yeah, the interior yeah, defensive yeah. lineman. So I, right. the reason I'm bringing that up is a lot of people are going to point to, oh, there's another breakdown yeah. by Eric Flowers, but if you don't yeah. know what the assignment of the offensive lineman is, it's hard to judge, jury, and execute who the blame should be on. That's my only okay. point. All right, okay. Len, 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 I'm begging you, slow down a second, make one more point, we got to get other people on. Go ahead. Continue. Listen, we were just as good as the Jacksonville Jaguars going into that fourth quarter. 
We are 3-15 and 15 in our last meaningful games. We should win a game like that. We're playing at home, win a game like that. And your top 30 people, including Eli, we got to make plays in the fourth quarter. It's time to win games. Uh, Sunday's a Sunday's a start. Thanks uh, for taking my call. All Let's right, Len. All right, Appreciate Len. the phone call. Thank you. Sometimes the opposing team has something to do with whether you win the game or not. Well, and, and Russ, before we get back to the phone calls, listen, I understand Len's point. It's the close games that come back to bite you in the National Football League. You could go back and you could look at, I'll bring up the Chargers, for example. They started 0-4 last season. Remember, they played the Giants. They won their fifth game, and then they won nine of their final 12. They finished 9-7. and seven. They win one of their first four games, and it came down to a missed field goal, a special teams mishap. Yeah, that's the difference between missing and making the playoffs. I understand his frustration. The other thing I wanted to point out just to show you how close this game was a big play that I haven't heard a lot of people talk about Russ the two-point conversion not being able to convert on that it was a great play by the way by Calais Campbell to get interior penetration let, and back let, up me, Saquon let, let me just yeah. interrupt you for one second there remember the name it wasn't just anybody it was Calais Campbell oh without a doubt I mean we're talking about one of the best defensive line Thank that's you. why I said he deserves credit it wasn't as if the Giants just stood around you know and were Picking hoping nose, correct exactly. that something was going to come to fruition Campbell made a great play but the reason why I wanted to just bring that up is an example of how these little plays here or there add up if you get that two-point conversion Russ on the final possession for the Giants so they would have been down now by a field goal just think about how the dynamics change. They get down to the Jacksonville 36. It's third and six. Okay, even though Engram doesn't convert the first down, maybe you allow Aldrich Rosas to go out there and attempt that. Yeah, would have been, what, a 53-yard field goal to tie the game. That, right. that, that's the only reason why I bring that up. doesn't mean he's going to make the field goal. It's just you got a few more options if you get that two-point conversion down the stretch. All right. 201-939-4513 is the number. Let's, uh, okay, we're now a local. Go to New York and speak with Dan. Hello, Dan. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Thanks for taking my call. Okay, buddy. What's up? It, I'm just, I'm really over all the negativity, man. All the people that are clowning on, you know, Flowers and the offensive line and, and Eli. I, I don't understand. Over one game, it doesn't make sense. You got to give it a little bit of time. New offensive system, new defensive system. Uh, Eric Flowers going to the right side. I haven't given up on him. I still think he has. Uh, I think he still has uh, ability. I don't think he's a left tackle. Obviously, he's a little slow. But I, I, th I saw a lot of good plays that I liked out of him, and I think he's going to grow into that position. I think. Uh, I think we're going to be all right. I think offensively wasn't my concern. I mean, realistically, we played with, and we were right there to win it with with a playoff team. You know, so that should give us some hope. First of all, second of all. My worry is defensively. You know, you're going to say, yeah, we held them to, you know, only, what, seven, ten points, whatever, offensively. None in the um, second half, 13. Dan. Yeah. None, none in the second half. Z right, right. But that's also against Blake Bortles and a, and a backup, Yeldon. Yeah, yeah he's, he started before, but he's not Leonard Fournette. You're going to go up so against more talented quarterbacks. I, I don't disagree with you. I, I think the offense is going to be tested on the defensive side of the ball. You could say the Jaguars are the pinnacle. Houston, Carolina, a lot of defenses that are really good coming up on the schedule. And, yes, the quarterback caliber is going to increase as well. But the bottom line is every week you got to go out there and to pitch a shutout. It's very tough right. to do. That, that, that's the point, Dan. No matter whether you're playing against Aaron Rodgers or Blake Bortles. Or the little sisters correct. in the core. <laughs> to hold the team well, my, scoreless. My, I mean, that's impressive. That, that shouldn't just easily be dismissed. 
my my big concern was the the lack of pressure we got on the quarterback. I, I don't I don't feel like we got hardly any pressure on the quarterback. Um, and, and again, well, I, granted, I, I, we didn't have we didn't have Olivier Vernon, so I, I'm looking forward to getting him back. Um, any news on him? No, I, I mean last again. It, it's we're talking about it's Tuesday, so I, again, I'm maybe I shouldn't say this on a Tuesday. And thanks for the call, Dan. I'll still be surprised if we see him this week. It's a high ankle sprain, which I didn't think it was, uh, but it is. So, um, and with a high ankle sprain and with, with how important uh, OV is to this team, uh, if, he, if he's not right, you don't want to screw with it. Well, again, I'm not the doctor and I'm not the trainer and I'm, I'm just putting it out there. But if it is, they say he's making progress, but you know, the only progress I'm interested in seeing is him playing. Other than that, you know, if he's getting close, he's getting close. But that remains to be seen. Well, and I think the true indicator, Russ, is if he gets out on the practice field this week. Right. So, you know, we're going to know tomorrow when they start preparing for the Cowboys on Wednesday. And if he doesn't get out on the practice field, to me, that usually is the best indicator of his chances of playing, which he struggled to do last week. But, you know, even if Vernon returns, you look at, yes, do they need to get more pressure on the quarterback? Well, against Jacksonville, four quarterback hits, Russ and one sack, which was split between Kerry Wynn as well as Kareem Martin. So there were opportunities, and, and I thought they did make Blake Bortles think twice about where he wanted to go after the football, with the football, I should say. And, and you do want to see there be more progression with the pass rush, but you know this is a group that's still young, and there, there's a lot of guys that were getting their feet wet for the first time. I mean, Lorenzo Carter, yep. you know, that was his first regular season game. Connor Barwin missed the majority of the preseason. Kareem Martin, I understand he's been in James Betcher's system, but he's been a, mainly a special teams player for the majority of his career. That, to me, is going to come with additional reps and additional games. And, and, and guys, folks, ladies, don't, don't minimize what Lance said. They pitched the shutout the, the giant defense did in the second half. A shutout, Okay. That's zero points. I don't care who or what it is. It's the National Football League. Allowing a team zero points is impressive. I don't care who you're playing. If you're playing the best in the league or the worst in the league, it is still impressive. Uh, Coach Marvin, our buddy from Delaware. How are we doing today, Coach? Hey, how are you doing, Russ? Good, good. I'm doing well, Coach. How's everything with you? I'm doing good. I just have to compliment you both. You guys are on the money today. <laughs> I'm, I'm impressed today. I'm impressed. Lance, you're, you're hitting on all numbers today. Um, what I want to talk about is uh, when you guys are talking about is the glass half full and Lance, both of y'all have said something that I, I was thinking of is it was a game of inches on uh, Sunday. And... Uh, you, you got to go back to the. Uh, I think it was a third and two with the di- uh, uh, fourth and two with the dive by Barkley. He just missed it by inches. Yeah, it was actually a fourth and one. They just needed one yard on that play. I think it was two. You oh, I could. I, I thought it was a fourth and one, but I, I, I'll, I'll I, look back. I, actually, wait, yeah, when go you back s- and look at it because he dived and got one. Um, he got, I, I thought he it got was two also. Uh, no, I could be mistaken. I, I'm going to go back and look. I thought it was a fourth and one. And I, I, I know that he was hit as he went up, and then he literally, like, came straight down. So, yeah, you know, he if he would have maybe lunged a little bit forward, you could argue, I think he would have been in position. But you may be right. I, yeah. I, I thought at the time I had it was a fourth and one, but I could be mistaken. I'm going to look I, it up while you continue. Go ahead, Coach. I'm about 90% sure. Uh, the other it was fourth and two. Back. I just found it. I stand corrected. You were right. Yeah. 
We caught another pass out in the flat where two guys got him and cut him short by one quarter of an inch of getting the first down. Um, we had the um, pass in the in the fourth quarter. To Odell? Where, um, it was just, rep. yep. We had a pass in the fourth quarter where um, they ran that rub route. It was like a rub and wheel where, um, where Shepard ended up with the guy behind him. If Eli could have got a little more time, that was a touchdown. Uh, the guy did grab his arm, but they're both fighting for the ball. I wasn't, uh, you know, I wanted the flag, but, it, you know, it was one of those 50-50 balls. Um, and uh, inches away from that, uh, inches away from uh, the post with to uh, Odell, which um, Eli said, and I believe Odell did run it, a little bit run into that. The safety. the safety, yeah. And slowed down the, the route, which the timing was off. And then they went, uh, it was another play in the first half where um, it was Ramsey with Odell on the slant towards the end zone where, again, Eli got pressured. And uh, Eli threw it up, hoping he, he can get to the point where Odell was going to be to make the catch, and he didn't get there to make the catch. Just missed, just missed his hand in the end zone. Um, so it was, it was a game of inches. Um, they played well, I thought. I, I, I was very impressed with the play calling as far as the design, as far as moving Beckham from the backfield. Um, and they did something that the Giants haven't done in a long time. They executed, they executed a screen pass. It was really creative. It was off a of play action. And to Barkley, with I think Omame and the center, ended up on the outside. It was that route. I think he ran it for about 15 yards, I believe it was, where he jumped over the guy on the side. Yeah, I remember that play. He hurled over him. That was, if you go back and look at it, that was a well-executed um, um, string pass. And they were doing all they can to get away from this, this front seven. These guys, they were, I don't think people, uh, I think people underestimate how fast this defense really is from all aspects of the game. Um, from the front four to the linebackers. And the linebackers give Ingram a lot of trouble, and I think that contributes to some of those drops. Ingram got to make those catches. But Jack and those guys, they were on him. It wasn't like he was running free in the secondary. Hey, Coach, you, uh-huh. you're talking about a defense that was second overall in the league last year. Yeah, and scoring know, right. and total defense. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, pretty impressive. And, yeah, and the, and the guy, I think his name Lance. I couldn't remember his name. Uh, he, he called a few minutes ago and said that, they got to win those games. Very passionate. Len, yeah, you're talking about Len. Yeah, he's very passionate, and I understand what he's saying. And he said the Giants were 3-13. and 13. they got to win these games. But guess what Jacksonville was last year? And they're going to want to win those games. And Jacksonville did the same thing. They crushed the Steelers. They um, they put it on New England, which they should have won. Yes, you're 100% right. Yep. You cannot put the Giants in the same with those two teams, and Jacksonville did it to them. Yep, um, that's fair. The other part, my last part is the things that are worrying me a little bit. There was a lot of leakage on the offensive line, but that's because their front four is that good. Um, and Lance was right. There was a play where um, the play where um, Flowers saw the linebacker. That linebacker did step forward. Yeah, he came forward and backed out. It was like a zone blitz they did, and he stepped out. It made Flowers stop just enough that I got to hit the fraction corner. of a it, second. That did it. Yeah, he, 
people need to go back and look at that because Lance was 100% right on that. That dude stepped up and made him see him and stop, and, and it gave us three runners. Um, but I still, if, if I'm a, 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 a coach of Wheeler or agent of Wheeler, I said, get ready. Soon they may give you a shot to get in the game and see what you can do. I'm not saying bunch um, bench flowers, but if he has problems in the next two, three weeks, you got to say, okay, let's try and see what Willer can do in this game, and let's just take him out for here. Try to keep, keep everybody in tune as a team, but see what he can do. All right, Coach. Okay. All right, Coach. And the last one, yeah. and the Real last quick. thing is, is that boot on the, on, the, on the quarterback. We're going to run into a lot of running quarterbacks. We're still letting guys – we're not keeping our leverage on the outside where those those quarterbacks are running 40-yard runs. That, that can't happen. Yeah, well, no. what, one we're, of the things that I threw out and appreciate the phone thanks call. Thanks for the call, Coach. Blake Bortles, Russ, this is a guy that's averaged about 300 rushing yards per season every single year he's been in the league. You know, you got to account for him to do that. He'll take his chances. And, you know, this is the other thing when you look at the Giants' schedule. You know, everybody gets caught up in, well, maybe things are going to get easier defensively. They're not as effective as the Jacksonville Jaguars. Minnesota was number one in defense. Jacksonville was number two. Well, you get Deck Prescott this week, Russ. He's a mobile quarterback. Then you have Deshaun Watson. He's a mobile quarterback. So, you know, once again, you're still going to be tested, whether it's Blake Bortles under center, Deshaun Watson under center, or Aaron Rodgers under center, because all of these different quarterbacks have different styles and different mannerisms, and you're getting a lot of them who are mobile. You know, I... We're, we're busy talking about, you know, who the Giants were up against. Let's be frank about it. Probably this, they could not have had for, for a team that's gone. And again, it's not making excuses. It's just telling them what it is. For a team that's gone through a lot of changes and transition and all this brand new uh, offensive line, and that, that was probably the worst matchup the Giants could have had for an opening game. That kind of defense, that front you know, seven uh, of uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars. And that said, they, it was there. They could have won the game. They didn't. So now uh, we got 15 more tries this season. Uh, oh, look who's on a line. Our good friend from Brooklyn, Lisa. Hello, Lisa. How are you? Hi, guys. How are you? Good. Hi, how are you doing, Lisa? Good. I was out there Sunday in the rain. There you go. Watching my team. It was a, gr- it was a good game. I saw a lot of improvement, a lot of upside to the game. But there's something I wanted to ask you guys. What do you think about field position? It seems like we never had field position. It always seems like we're on the 10, we're on the 18. If you watch the game last night with the Jets, they're always, they start on the 30, on the 40. It always seems that we never have good field position. Well, sometimes, Lisa, that has so You know, you're talking about last night. I mean, that has something to do with what the other team is allowing you to do and what they're giving you. Oh, you know, I mean, I mean uh, that's that defense that the Giants were facing was quite a bit defense. A difference since you're bringing up last night's game with the Jets. Quite a bit difference, yeah. uh, a bit different than what the uh, Lions were putting out on defense. Well, which was non-existent. I mean, Matthew Stafford at least had four interceptions. So when your defense is opportunistic, you're going to be able to capitalize that from an offensive standpoint because you're not going to have to return kickoffs and punts and worried about getting a dynamic play. Whereas Jacksonville had the one turnover. Janoris Jenkins picked them off. Other than that. 
Jaguars didn't give the Giants any gifts, so I think that plays a lot into the field position angle that you're talking about. If your defense creates turnovers, if special teams gets a big return, you know, that's how you change field position. There just wasn't a lot of that against Jacksonville. Yeah, you know, Lee, just, just be careful. I understand what you're saying, but, you know, uh, it's night and day from last night to what the Giants were playing on uh, Sunday afternoon. So, you know, when you're up against a, a defense such as the Jacksonville Jaguars, you know, field position is not something that you're going to have too much of, a uh, good field position anyway. Yeah, that's true. I was, I was just wondering because I was, if something maybe on special teams that we could do, maybe improve our special teams. It always seems, though, even beside Jacksonville, we always seem we just don't have that, that field position in the games. I think that has, you know, it... it, it it makes it a lot easier to score when you when oh, you, you absolutely. Know, you start on the 30 and the 40. No doubt about it, Lisa. I agree with you. I mean, I'm just perusing the starting field position for the Giants. They had one drive that started at their own 37, and they wound up turning that into a field goal. And then they actually they had a drive where they started at the Jacksonville 46. I was just going to ask. But, but here you go. Barkley runs for three, then an incomplete pass to Barkley, and then a short pass to Ingram for five, and then you're forced to punt. So, you know, you can have good field position, Lisa. Offense has to take advantage of it. That's true. That's true, too. But other than that, I wanted to say hi to you guys, and I'm glad for the season, and I'm looking forward to it. I see a lot of positives, guys. All right, Lisa, and you take care of those kids you're watching out for, okay? <laughs> I will. Have a great day, guys. Thanks for the phone call. Appreciate uh, it. All right, Lisa. Thank you very much. And again, folks, you are watching uh, Big Blue Kickoff here on um, Giants.com. And we just want to remind you yet once again that Big Blue Kickoff Live is indeed presented to you by Coors Light. Download the Coors Light Rewards app to win yourself amazing Giants prizes throughout the season. I, I, I think most, by and large, most of the fans, uh, you know, are looking at this with a lot of common sense, Lance. It, it's a situation... It's one game. Nobody likes to lose. I mean, nobody wants to lose. But it, it's, it's not gloom and doom. And again, that was a very tough matchup. If, if you were going to go look at your schedule to say what would be the worst matchup the Giants could have for a new offensive line, I mean, think about it. Yeah, I mean, you're I going mean, up against arguably one of the best defensive lines Jackson, in football. The, the Jacksonville Jaguars w w might have been very well at the top of that list. Uh, the group had 55 sacks for us last season. That was number two in the NFL. The group had 21 interceptions. That was number two in the NFL. They were number two pretty much in just about every statistical category. And, you know, forget the totals. It's the fact that, as I noted, we talked about Calais Campbell. We talked about Yannick Ngakwe. You know, two defensive ends that each had over 10 sacks last season. The linebackers are very versatile. Two of arguably the best corners in the NFL, and Jalen Ramsey and A.J. Boye. So, you know, you had playmakers, Russ, that the Giants had to go up against at every level of the defense. You know how sometimes you get a defense, got a great front seven, secondary is ass shaky, or sometimes you get a fabulous secondary, not a great pass rush. Jacksonville's got very few weaknesses across the board. So the positive is that Hey, you went up against arguably the best defense in the NFL. You held your own. Hey, there's room for improvement, but you held your own. So now if you go up against a defense that is maybe ranking a little bit lower, or even if it's in the vicinity of Jacksonville, you feel confident that you can move the football against that group. Now, you know, the other thing to look at now is the Giants did lose that first game, okay? And now they go on the road for not one, but for two. And one is Sunday night 
playing the Cowboys at home in Dallas where the Cowboys are coming off a season opening loss. So someone's going to be 0 and 2 after that. You you obviously you want to stop the bleeding as quickly as possible. Uh you you want to right the ship and get get everybody feeling good. You know, mentally I I was happy, not I don't know. Let, let me correct that. Uh I was pleased with the way mentally the Giants came out of the game. They weren't there were it wasn't a woe is me. They weren't hanging their heads. They weren't miserable. And it wasn't false bravado. Okay, they were genuinely, okay, yeah, we're not happy we lost, but collectively they felt confident that this can be improved. They felt that they made strides. I'm sure that also comes uh, from the head coach. There there was not a, a lot of negativity, but that said, we know how the natives can get restless. (laughs) <laughs> if 0-1-1 becomes 0-1-2 and we got to get it taken care of because this schedule is a, I'm not giving I'm not giving them built-in excuses but this is a killer schedule it's a killer schedule for any team in the NFL it's just a brutally tough schedule well when you look at the schedule Russ and this is for everybody in the NFC East not just the Giants I don't think they're living in their own bubble they play the AFC South and they got their first taste of the AFC South with Jacksonville, and they play the NFC South. Now, this is my personal opinion, Russ. If you were to ask me the deepest divisions in the National Football League, yeah, I think those are the two deepest divisions in the National Football League. They happen to be both Southern divisions in their respective conferences. I can make a case for three to four teams deep in the NFC South. I mean, Tampa Bay certainly looked good in the opener against New Orleans. It's one game, but they got a lot of offensive personnel and an improved defensive line. But, but boy... <laughs> I didn't see that. But let me ask you this. Okay, we're talking about it. Yeah. Let's talk Bucks. Oh, 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 are we thinking about 21, 21 of 28 for 400-plus yards Insane. from Ryan Fitzpatrick? Well, you know, it's funny, and, and I'm a little biased in this because I cover the Ivy League, and I remember when Ryan Fitzpatrick was at Harvard, and, you know, he was a pretty good quarterback no. even then. No, I'm not saying that you were making a judgment about him. And he's been a journeyman in the NFL, but he's hung around the league for quite some time. If you remember when he was with the Jets, you know, he had Brandon Marshall, Eric Decker. He actually put together a respectable season. Just goes to show you, Russ, you give a quarterback talent, you give him an offensive line, you can do things in the National Football League. It's not necessarily rocket science. Now, I mean, are they going to be able to put up 48 every single week? No. Is this now a quarterback controversy once Jameis Winston comes back from suspension? I don't know if I'm going to go that far either. No, no. But it was certainly encouraging, and the point is that there's a lot of dangerous teams in the NFC South. That's why I brought it up. If Tampa Bay could put 48 points up, Russ, against a Saints defense... On the road. On the road, in New Orleans, which is very hard to win, and a Saints defense, which was dramatically improved last season. New Orleans, you remember that Giants game in 2015? Drew Brees against Eli? They combined for 13 touchdowns? Remember? It was... Gunfight at the OK Corral. (laughs) Guns in Navarone. (laughs) There was no defense in that game, okay? I'm not trying to pour salt in the wounds here. I think everybody remembers that game. That's been Drew Brees' life for us every single season, with the exception of last year where he felt he didn't have to go out and say to himself, oh, my God, i got to score 50 points to win a game. Now, all of a sudden, he's looking at his team again. He's saying, i got to score 50 points to win a game. So, you know, it's it's extremely dangerous what the NFC South provides. Giants are going to have to go up against all four of those teams, and I would not sleep on the Texans, and I would also not sleep on Tennessee. I know Marcus Mariota got beat up a little bit in Week One, but I still think that team's got a really good front seven. There, there is no. This is the National Football League. There is nobody to you sleep. 
on anybody, it's going to bite you on a keister. Plain Absolutely. and simple. And leave a mark. Yeah, but it, really, <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's it's a tough situation. And, you know, now the Giants have to regroup. They have to go in. They have to get themselves, I, I you know, I don't want to say right mentally uh, because I think they are right mentally. They just have to go in and take care of business and make sure that the ship uh, gets righted uh, in the right direction. It, it, it's, again, all the guys were talking about this situation being um, – a lot of positives coming out of the game. And that's not Russ and Lance saying that. It's not, it's not even you, the caller, saying that. It's the Giants saying that. And that's most important because, listen, we were there last year when guys weren't saying that coming out of games. Okay? It, it's, it's the first game. They're very much very much in tune. And, and, and I'll mention this real quickly because I, I actually I had tweeted about it that um, Friday in the locker room I saw something that I had never seen before. Nate Solder and, and uh, John Greco had walked up to uh, Saquon Barkley's locker, and they had an extended, serious, it was an all-business conversation, and I was just standing and watching, and the, there was animation and talking and this and that. And then when Barkley left, it carried on with Jonathan Stewart, who was, whose locker was right next to Saquon's. My point being, it looked to me as if the running backs and the offensive line they want to make sure they get this right. And, and their heads are in the right places. I had never seen that. You know, you see guys talking in the locker room. This was serious business. Hardcore X's and O stuff. This, this yeah. was two behemoths coming over to talk to their <laughs> running backs. It was very, very serious business. And I think it was very important, you know, uh, that they went ahead and, and, and did that. And to me, it showed me, if nothing else, that this group is on the same page. So having said that, our page is about to close. Want to thank all of you for being part of this. I'm Russ Salzberg along with Lance Meadow. You have been watching Big Blue Kickoff here on Giants.com. Again, thanks to my producer, Dave Dominic. And always, thanks to you fans. We will be right back here tomorrow. Remember, it is Big Blue Kickoff here on Giants.com. Have a good one.